0: Welcome to the DFS Free Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over a little bit about yesterday's slate. We talk a little bit about today's slate. It's a, it's a small slate, right? Five games. We don't know. We got some magic news we have to worry ourselves about. We, we got some. It's obviously it's NBA DFS. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. So who knows what's going to happen? So that's why we talk a lot, of, a little bit more about strategy on this show. So if you're in the YouTube chat, you post your questions. Sometimes we go on a little tangents. Sometimes I show up some tools, right? So, so it's, it's more about you. It's more about you in the YouTube chat. I see, I see you guys in there. I see uh, Mr. Plow, of course, as always. DJ Cicero, Jupocalypse, Card Fan, Kevin Copeland, Dustin Hogue, Kagan Hopkins, Trey McRae, Milo Kaminsky, Steve Dial, Tony P., Matt Mears, Sam Deal. We got a ton of people in the YouTube chat. You know what to do in the YouTube chat. Hit that thumbs up button. You got to hit. Yeah, we need more thumbs today because we're in a crisis, folks. We're in a crisis. I think, I think, I, I don't think we've ever hit this crisis before. We need a lot more thummy thumbs today. The crisis is I'm out of apple juice. I got no apple juice. I got I got dyed Mountain Dew, right? I, that was the only thing in the, in the fridge. I'm out of mountain. I'm, I'm even out of the mango stuff, right? That's the stuff I don't even drink until the apple juice is gone. That's gone too. So we're at apple juice. You have to hit the thumbs. So, so, uh, I can get more apple juice. So keep on hitting those thumbs, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell to know when we go live, but no, no apple juice today. Well, maybe, maybe I don't deserve apple juice after, uh, yesterday, yesterday I took a big dip in, in cash games. One of those, uh, you know it happens every so often. I think it's happened twice, maybe two, two times, two or three times. Let me take a look. No, maybe one, two. Yeah, I think two times before, like a full losing sweep on all three sides. So like this was a dip of like like twenty one hundred or so, right? DraftKings, forty three percent loss. FanDuel, seventy two percent loss. Yahoo, almost like laughing in my face. Like oh, a dollar twenty. Oh, thank you. I don't know how I got a dollar twenty out of that lineup, but whatever. 99% loss, so we went down from 12.5 down to 10.3, still profitable, obviously for the year. So it's going to go up and down. It's like the stock market goes up and down. Uh, good thing yesterday though, which which saved me, was uh, came in second in the in the little uh, hundred dollar showtime. That's what saved me. You see right here, no, no, hey, no, no, he came in first, right? He came in first by like like 14 points with fairly low scores. If you take a look at these scores. Pretty low, because a lot of people uh, went with the, uh, the the Pacers-Nets game, right? Brogdon, Sabonis, Harden, right? Expecting that game to be nuts. And what happened with the Pacers? I mean, they came back, right? But they have 30 points at halftime, right? What's up with that? And then we had the situation with, with Isaiah Roby. That burned a bunch of lineups. But uh, in, in single entry... Uh, I was trying to play more balanced lineups. I was trying to get away from like the cheap chalk value like Gallinari. I was trying to get who who else was owned. Let's see. we had like Roby, basically Roby, and basically Ro, Roby and Gallinari, right? So I was trying to build lineups where I didn't have to use Roby, didn't have to use Gallinari, and I faded the the Pacers Brooklyn game. right? So that's why I'm trying to make lineups with like PJ Washington, Kyle Anderson. Chris Middleton instead of using Westbrook, going down eleven hundred and playing Kyle Lowry, then Zach Levine over like Kyrie Irving or Westbrook or Harden or Luca, something like that. Obviously, Marquise Morris was a late addition. I this was a late swapped lineup uh, because we got the news after lock that AD was not going to play, so that boosted you know Marquise Morris even if th- though he didn't start, he was still going to play plenty of minutes for uh for three thousand. So I was able to build a nice lineup, benefited a bit from uh, the, the the Lakers Thunder overtime. Horford got to 56 points. I'm surprised Horford was as low as he was owned. I knew Sabonis was gonna be the highest owned center, but he's also power forward eligible. So I thought there'd be more Horford. I knew Zach Levine was gonna be low owned, right? I I knew Middleton would be fine. Lowry would get some ownership. Kyle Anderson would get some ownership at a weak small forward position if you're not playing Gallinari. I expected Will Barton to be like 10% owned. I expected Horford to be like 15 to 20% owned and he wasn't. B.J. Washington, I thought maybe would have been 5 to 10% owned. It's like like looking at this lineup, it almost feels like, like it's too low owned for a 33, 335 person contest. But I mean, my main strategy was how do I not play Roby How do I not play Gallo and how do I not play uh, Brooklyn, Indiana? What's the best lineup I can make that way. And this just so happened to be the best lineup I can make that way. And there you go. $3,000. So that, that made up for the the $2,100, whatever loss uh, in the cash game. So, I mean, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it works out. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was my strategy there. And uh, in large field, we could we could talk about this this Isaiah Roby thing from last night, okay? If you were in our Discord, Premium Discord, right? You could get ten dollars off your first month by signing up with the link in the description. Get all the all the stuff, all the premium stuff. Uh, Andy Means, our our lead uh, NBA analyst, right? He's on crunch time. Uh, he tweeted out like about twenty minutes before that the ten o'clock lock that you know, someone reported that there were only eight guys out for warmups and Roby wasn't out there. Now, does that mean Roby's not playing? Who knows? It could mean Roby's in the bathroom, right? It, 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 who knows what that means, right? And it's not like it was from a verified account or anything. It's just like someone that was there or a, some say some beat right, some something, right? Someone that has less followers than I do. Like, okay. There's eight guys on the call. Okay. That, that's it. That's all we know. That's all we know. So what, what are you supposed to do from there? Is one of the best values on the slate for 3,700 because, you know, they only had nine guys, nine, eight or nine guys, even with, with Mascala back. So do you take him out or do you leave it or do you keep him in? There's no official word on anything. There's no, nothing, no official word on nothing. But you could tell by that tweet that if you wanted to play it safe, you'd have gotten him out of his line, out of your lineup. You'd have played Mark Heath Morris instead and left 700 on the table. The problem comes in is what happens if you play playing Marquise e. and, and Isaiah Roby? What do you do then? You could have pivoted to like a, like a DJ Augustine or a Forbes or or a Tory Craig or something, one of the buck the, the cheaper bucks guys, tailing Horton Tucker. You could you you could have done that. I mean, you could have. Depends on depends on did you want to take a chance or not? Now since since I just automatically play whatever the top projected lineup in cash. On DraftKings, I just stayed with Roby, and it turns out, like, what? What did Craig? I think I could have pivoted to Craig had five points. It would have matter. right? The problem with my lineup is that I had Horford in cash games. GPB is a different story. In cash games, I I had uh, Horford in this in the utility spot and Sabonis in the center spot, so I couldn't move Horford out of the utility, which means I couldn't have played Augustine. Augustine how many points did he get seven okay it's not like it would have mattered right right I got zero from Roby but I would have switched to Augustine seven points maybe maybe I would have won one or two more head-to-heads or something but wouldn't have made a difference in 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 double ups I already had Morris in my lineup in cash games I had Horford so I mean Horford overperformed so I wouldn't have gotten there anyway so it didn't to, to me it didn't even matter that much Yes, I had a Roby zero, but so did 60% of of, of, of 60 people in cash games on DraftKings had a zero out of Roby. So, and we could tell from just exposures of top players. I, I brought up a whole bunch, Brick75 and Kobe for MPB, Squirrel Patrol, Uticao, Hubbro, Chetabist, JK123. I mean, look, tons of, tons of Isaiah Roby. Yeah, some people late swap. Either late swapped or just intended to not have much of them. Royal Payne, Tinky Tyler. Ending at zero. Yeah. So some people said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna late swap. I'm gonna switch. Still plenty of top players had tons of Isaiah Roby. So if you got burned by that, you know, like obviously 10 minutes after lock, late scratch, he ain't gonna play, right? Is that more tilting to get that news or he's on the bench and just never comes in right you're sitting there it's like you know two minutes to go in the first quarter and he hasn't checked in yet and then the quarter ends and he still hasn't checked in and you're like is this guy gonna play or not is that worse is that a worse tilt or would you rather know right up front just like before the before the tip off screw it this guy ain't playing i don't know which one which one i i would think the first one is less tilted like at least you know not sitting there going, ah, oh, where's Isaiah Roby? Where's Isaiah Roby? If they priced him up, if Drive priced him up to like 4900 we wouldn't have been in this situation. He wouldn't have been this truck. So obviously, if you faded Roby in lineups, I mean, you got a lot of leverage, right? In, in a large field finger roll, he was 38% owned. I'm assuming that came down. He probably before that was like 45 to 50% owned. But a lot of people may have swap, but not not as many as you thought. Still, A. E. Jones at thirty percent, right? People were still stuck forsaken sixty three percent. Either the, either they didn't see that tweet, and it just boof, just surprise, or they saw and they just rode with it. Some people may have saw it and and switched out. Some people may have just thought, who knows. Royal Paint Twenty One could have just always had nine percent roby. You can almost tell by, like, let's let's take a look at Marquise Morris. Because really, Marquise Morris wasn't in play until AD was ruled out. So you could see who switched. See, Royal Payne, Tinky Tyler, Aha uh-huh, Bro, ending, JK123. Right? Very Royal Payne, Tinky Tyler, ending. Yeah, so most likely these were late swaps. Because, I mean, Marquise Morris was, you wouldn't have played him with AD in. So I'm assuming a lot of this stuff was late swaps. We could see the constructions that 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 people tried to make, like whether or not you went in over or under that uh, that Brooklyn, Indiana game, right, and what you did with OKC. I mean, those are the keys to the slate. What did you do with the Nets Pacers game, and what did you do with OKC? What did you do with Russell Westbrook? I guess, right? Score control at eighty percent Westbrook. Right. Some people went under. I thought he was fine. I played him in cash. Diallo is a bit expensive on DraftKings, but you know you could still play him. Could be for MVP at four percent. And what'd you do with Brogdon and Sabonis? I mean Sabonis, I mean neither of them really got there. What'd you do with Gallo? We have a hub row at zero percent. Just I'm not even a baller. Ending one percent. And some people went over because so you need to fill some type of small forward spot. Were you gonna use? And then also shooting guard. Shooting guard was probably the toughest position to fill yesterday. That's why Diallo was as owned as he was. Because you had uh, Dort also. You had Middleton. I thought Middleton was was the best play in the shooting guard spot. It's just how do you build the rest of your lineup around it? That's why Denzel Valentine, he was owned. Shooting guard. I mean, shooting guard was Bryn Forbes. I mean, then we get down to garbage. That's why with all with all of that, with shooting guard being the way it is, that's why I thought there was incredible value on uh, for leverage on Zach Levine. That's why I played Zach Levine. Especially in lineups that didn't have Pacers in it. If you notice this lineup that I made at 49-9, I could have played Kyrie Irving here. But if I'm not playing Pacers, it makes no sense to play Kyrie over Zach Levine. I did play another lineup that had like Brogdon. I think Brogdon, Turner, Irving or something like that. Obviously it didn't cash. But I saw no sense from a correlation standpoint to play Irving instead of Zach Levine. Irving, what was he owned? I mean, it's not like Irving, was, Kyrie was, was owned that much, 5%. Right, I mean, I could have. He scored 58 points, right? I mean, I could have done that. The difference in, uh, what, 6.75 points? I would have came in, like, somewhere around here. I would have came in 11th, 10th or something. 400 bucks. What was Irving's ownership in this contest? Still low owned, probably. Yeah, 4%. So, like, yeah. I mean, similar amount of leverage. But I just thought it, it made little sense. So, bonus in this contest, in the showtime, this is the reason. I always say I'm I tend to be a little bit more contrarian in small field contests because the ownership of these players are gonna be higher. So if we we want to do side by side, let's go side by side. Just to show you the concept. So I'm gonna go to go to ownership. We're gonna go to the contest that I played. X out some of these. So we're going to the small showtime. Versus just a large field, normal, whatever contest, right? So name it, but the finger roll, okay? So the show time, the smaller show time and the finger roll. So look at the disparity in ownership. I was building a lineup without these top four guys, okay? But in my con- in that contest, look how the difference between the ownerships are even more condensed, 23% more ownership on Savonis, uh, 15% more on Roby, even way, look at, look at it, 22% more on Rogdon, 10% more on Westbrook, 22% more on Gallinari, Amadou Diallo is about even. Then we start getting into l- l- less differences, smaller differences. But look look But Look at the predominant type of lineup. I mean, this is a cash lineup. I mean, that's why. So it's like, how do I not build this type of lineup? Turns out by just fading them all. But what what type of lineup can I build like that? I mean, there you go. That's that's the lineup that I built. But in these larger field contests, then maybe you don't get as much le- you don't get as much leverage doing that. So while you can do it in a larger field contest, it's sometimes it's more benefit. If if these guys bust, like I could play v- virtually anyone. And win with a lower score, so I feel like if you don't play somebody, like either you play one or the other, Brogdon or Sabonis, or you play neither and the Pacers get killed. Roby was just chalk value at, at, at power forward, so I'm like, how do I how do I build a more balanced lineup? Gallinari, he could have easily, yes, yeah, minutes limit was thirty, he ended up playing thirty, he could have played twenty five, and who knows who knows how how efficient he's going to be. He wasn't that efficient. He got 19.75 for 4,500. Okay. Eh. Not really going to win you a GPP or anything. I need to fill a shooting guard spot. So there you go to Middleton. You can do you Middleton. You do Levine. And you play Lowry over Westbrook. And then just fill up the lineup. And then my leverage off of Roby is playing Horford. Like, I can't believe Horford was as low as he was. 7% in the showtime. 9% in the finger roll. It's more advantageous to play him in the smaller field contest. Most people think in the large fields, like, oh, I'm going to fade all the chalk and then then play whatever. I mean, you can do that also. But you get way more leverage fading a chalkier player in single entry contest. Doesn't mean you do it across the board. Like I said, my lineup here, I didn't expect the ownership to be this low. I didn't think it would be as condensed as, as it was up here. I didn't expect that I expected PJ Washington to be eight to 10% owned Al Horford to be I thought Al Horford would be 15 to 20% owned with them only playing with nine guys and SGA being out I thought Will Barton at at a small forward position to be as owned as Kyle Anderson for virtually the same price I thought that would be split so Kyle Anderson would be like 12 and Barton would be 12 Zach Levine, I knew was going to be low. Like that, I knew. that That's the whole basis of the lineup. Like Larry was going to be somewhat owned. Okay, 15. But that was the whole basis. I didn't realize that I was even getting less ownership than I thought from these guys. I was looking at this lineup. I'm like, I a, little, a little too much leverage. Worked out. But I mean, the thesis of the play was to fade the Pacers next And it worked out. Hey, if that game went off, then I, then I lose. Okay, so be it if that game went off it's my cash lineup right i mean my cash lineup had brogdon sabonis and harden in it so if that gets all oh, great i went in cash and losing gpp okay like a little hedge that's what you should be thinking about with the size of the contest that you play how is the ownership going to be different how condensed is it going to be where's the best place to get leverage knowing that the ownership is going to be more condensed because you could have easily just played the Chucky tr- you could have played the chocolate tr- 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 type lineup and found leverage elsewhere. You could have played Harden Brogdon Sabonis. You could have done that. But that means you probably have to play Gall- Gallinari. You probably have to you probably have to play very similarly priced players at similar positions as other lineups like that. And you're trying to win in that way. You can. I just thought the easier path to first place was to go lighter on the, the Pacers Nets game. Yet in my I mean I had four other lineups and I still had Brogdon. I still I had Turner. I, I still not like I didn't play them at all. This lineup just so happened to be this way. Like I said, there was a late swap involved. I don't know I don't know who was originally in this lineup. So obviously Lowry was locked and Anderson was locked and Washington was locked i don't think levine was locked at the time yeah i I probably switched around something i don't know who i originally had at center maybe maybe i had roby at center maybe i don't know i don't remember i don't remember i don't even remember but there you go let's go in the youtube chat hit the thumbs up button remember we're in crisis mode now no apple juice there's no apple juice to keep it cold I mean, you expect this to be cold, but why am I drinking Mountain Dew at 11 o'clock in the morning? Does it even have caffeine in it? Does does this even have caffeine? We're just drinking it for no apparent reason? That's citric pectin. Okay, caffeine. It says caffeine. It's okay. There's some caffeine in here. Okay. Let's see. Ronald Coley asked, did I hand-build that lineup which got you second place? Yeah. I hand-build my single-entry three-max lineups, but I mean I'm looking and researching using lineup HQ. Uh, Semi-Kosher Production says the OKC beat writer mentioned Roby wasn't warming up, like I said. Do you look at beat writer's tweets before tip-off or any breaking news? Or is this just a fluke? No, this is what you have to do. Welcome to NBA DFS, folks. But there's nothing official like that. That's what I mean by when you saw, saw that tweet. We've seen plenty of times, Embiid. We, we've seen it with, literally with Joel Embiid all the time. Joel Embiid's not out warming up. AD is not out warming up. And someone tweets that and 10 minutes later, he's out warming up. Overreaction. Oh, does that mean he's not playing today? Who knows? There's nothing official, not even sourced or anything, just a photo. So are you supposed to know? Who knows? You have to decide for yourself. But this is what NBA DFS is. It's not like seven o'clock. You're, you're done for the night. Stuff like this happens all the time. You have to be, you have to be available. It, it is what it is. If you're, not, if, you're, if, if you're not willing to be available throughout the whole course of the night to make late swaps and follow the news, You probably shouldn't be playing. I'm sorry. You're giving up a lot of edge by not doing so. I mean, even that I tell my wife, like, just because it's locked doesn't mean, well, I got 8 o'clock lock and 8.30 lock and 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Who knows? We're waiting on news in the late game. I got to be here. I got to look, right? Because then it depends on what you're doing. Because it's not just like, oh, I'll check five minutes before the game locks. If anything has changed, it's like well you have swapping opportunities like all throughout the night. So like the AD news like comes in before like the Dallas game last night. And it's like oh now I can play Marquis Morris. Like well do you want Luca in your lineup because once seven thirty hits and he line up with Luca and it locks. So if you wanted to switch out at that point. You need to do it then. If you just 9:57 before the Lakers game, oh, I guess I can play Marquise Morris now. Well, like, well, all these other games have locked along the way, and now you don't have you don't have any optionality left of who to switch in your lineups, two v twos, three v threes. So paying attention to news throughout the throughout the night affects what you're going to do. I had Luka in one lineup, and he was gone. I took him out. I may have been that exact lineup. I may have had Luka in this lineup. Who knows? In the Zach Levine spot or something. I don't know. Who knows? I know I had him in one lineup and I didn't eventually not have him. Jesse Atfield says, Blender, the FanDuel train was about 40 players deep in most double ups last night. Is it plus EV to pivot off the train with a lower projected player instead of chopping 40 different ways? No, it's negative. It's even more negative EV, right? If the model is accurate, why would you wanna play a lower lineup than, a, than a, if 40 other people are playing it? The only time that playing that lineup becomes negative EV is if the number of people that are playing it is more than the pot, spots that it pays out. Then it starts getting negative EV. But if the model is accurate, that's the best lineup. That, would, that shows the most amount of profit, but it does, the differences between most of the top lineups is so marginal, right? So if you're off by one minute, it changes everything. So, like, feel free to play. Feel free to play whatever lineup towards the top that you want. You don't have to. A lot of times on Fanduel, the pricing is just so soft that the similar lineups are created. I mean, I saw that yesterday, and I saw there are, there are plenty of non-roto grinders members that are same cash lineup. It builds itself as long as you have a reasonably. Reasonably good projections, it, it's going to come out the same, especially on FanDuel, where the pricing is soft. Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Uh, blender and lineup HQ is their general slate size that the ownership projection is based on. I've been seeing pretty large swings in actual versus projected. The, the ownership in lineup HQ is geared primarily to large field contests, right? I don't think we have ownership this early. I know Jamino's working on getting ownership earlier throughout the day. Oh, you see, we have it now, okay? But this is gonna change. The projections and everything's gonna change. It's, it's 11, 11.30 in the morning. Well, at least Jamino has something early up, right? So we're seeing 35% for Jalen Brown, Korkmaz, all right, value is so weak that we get corkmas. I mean, I think that's primarily because we have what Anthony and Fournier are questionable. So that may, This may turn out to be uh, Frank Mason, Chalk night. Right? So here's the owners. But this is geared primarily, right? It says right here, right here in the tooltip. This projection is centered around large field GPP tournaments and may vary based on contest size and entry fee. These projections are added daily by 4 p.m. Eastern time and may be updated throughout the day. So yeah, this is geared more towards the finger roll, like these types of contests. 150 max, 40,000 entry type of contests. So the stakes level will affect it. The contest size will affect it. The smaller field contests, the chalk is going to be chalkier. And the low on plays will be even lower on. So this barrier of ownership starts getting more bar barbelled. Then the lower stakes, it tends to be flatter. Right? So if you're playing like the, the main large field GPP versus like the $4.20 max or something, a lot of times like the ownership creeps like more towards the middle. So while in the, in the bigger large field GPP, Jalen Brown would be 35%, but in the in the cheaper one, In the four dollar twenty max or something, he'll be thirty two percent. And Cork will like all of these guys will trim a couple of points in ownership, and then guys in the in the in the single digit around the you know the nine, nine eight nine percent will be a little bit higher, like more towards eleven or twelve. So it gets a little bit more bunched up in the middle. That's the tendency. That's not every slate. So just view it that way. When you're looking at this owner, projected ownership is primarily for the large field GPP. Okay. I'm going to repeat that because I think I think it's important as far as like the distribution of ownership. So normally distribution of ownership is the chalk. You got you got chalky guys on one side. You got really low on guys on the other side. So you got these two points and you got everything in, in between. So in, in large field, Contests, you have this. In smaller field contests, right? The higher on I don't know which side is the, the chalk gets chalkier, and the low-on plays get even lower, right? It goes something like this. Bigger disparity. Large field contest with the lower stakes, it tends to just go down evenly. So you get more of a more ownership ends up in this middle range. So you have to take that into account, depending on what contest do you play. So you have to look at this. This is it should all it should all be relative to what you're playing. So this gives you a sense, but not the not the exacts. Obviously, not the exacts this is projected ownership, and this will change throughout the day, right? Cole Anthony or Fornia get rolled out. Well, that means you can play a cheap point guard, right? And that changes the entire construction. Well, now you can pay up at center. Oh, now now Vucevic goes from the owned to 46% owned. I mean, it could happen like that. This is why I don't build lineups until an hour before lock because really the key injury report is the 5.30 Eastern injury report. So until that that injury report drops, all I could do is just experiment and go, okay, this is a possibility. Maybe this happens. Maybe I play this. Listen to some stuff. You read some content. Get a sense of the slate. You're really not making any decisions until stuff is much more finalized. And these things will change throughout the day. That's why That's why you need Roto Grinders Premium. $10 off your first month. You could get just NBA. Or you could get the combo package, which includes everything except for NASCAR. I know NASCAR is coming up. But the Daytona, that's coming up this weekend. Stevie has a package for that. If you play NASCAR. I heard it's great. I don't play NASCAR, but I've heard it's great. But these are the resources that you need. I mean, I, I couldn't possibly see it not being worth it. I mean, like it, we're talking about 40 bucks a month, right? Isn't that what premium is? You know how hard it is to do this for yourself? It's, it's immensely hard to build your own model like this, to project ownership, to run simulations. It's why I, it's why I paid. What Jamino does here in, in lineup HQ it, and the projections team, we see right here, all these, uh, I was going to say beautiful faces, but maybe not. Like they do better than, I'll outsource that. Here we go. Once we, I, all I need are the numbers. Now I can play, make plus CB lineups. So to me, it's, it's immensely worth it. It should be 10 times as much. So if you're not going to utilize some type of model, some type of projections, some type of tool, you're, you're, you're way behind You're way behind the eight ball against a lot of opponents. But this is just the starting point. It's not just, okay, uh, 10, 11, 01 projections. Let me build 20 lineups. And there you go, right? Right. Oh, here we go. These are the 20 lineups, right? With Matisse-Tiebel in it. That doesn't sound fun. Oh, if I play these 20 lineups, I win all the money. No, no, these are all median lineups. These don't take into account any ownership or any no correlation or nothing, right? Do you want to play Seth Curry, Matisse, Tybalt, and Corkman together in the same lineup? Probably not. I don't see them all getting there, you know. (laughs) right? Subsidiary players in the 76ers all getting there at the same time. Probably not. The projections are just the starting point. The tool helps you get there. Help. What lineups do you want to make? Let's go through the YouTube chat. Feel free to type any questions. That's that's what I'm here for. That is what I'm here for. I mean, you see that I ran twenty lines just to get a sense. What does the slate look like? Vucevic, Wall. Okay, Jalen Brown. Right. I get it. So where are we weak? We're weak at shooting guard, I guess. We're getting Duncan Robinson and Furkin Korkmaz. So I guess we're weak at shooting guard. I mean, he gets some Fournier, but who knows if he plays. It looks weak, weak at shooting. If we're playing for Korkmaz or Curry, Danny Green, we must be weak. Some Wiggins, and that's, that's never pleasant. Yeah, I guess shooting guard is the weak position today. Let's take a look at point guard. Yeah, we get some Wall and Brogdon. Okay, you pay up there. Small forward, Jalen Brown, Jeremy Grant. Get some Jimmy Butler. Okay, that's a bit strong. Normally, small forward tends to be weak. Power forward, it's kind of garbage. Sabonis, Grant. I mean, you could play them. Center, Vooch is going to be massive chalk. So you get a sense of what the construction could be. If nothing changed, all the magic are in and everything. But when does that happen? Really, have we ever gotten a slate where everything that we looked at at eleven thirty in the morning is exactly the way it is at seven thirty at night? Has it ever happened? <laughs> Just like with the apple juice, maybe, maybe today will be the day that it happens. You've been watching this show for for a month or two, right? I've always had apple juice. Today I have no apple juice, so maybe the day that nothing, maybe maybe nothing happens. Maybe that's the sign. Maybe I never drink apple juice again. Maybe if I drink apple juice, that means there'll be tons of late news. Everything's going to change. But if I don't have apple juice, everything stays the same. If it could have Maybe. Maybe it's correlated. We'll see. If everything stays the same, I'm not drinking apple juice tomorrow. Okay? I, I think I may not have any choice because I have no apple juice left. I have to go out. It snowed a bunch here. So do I want to leave my house? No. So maybe there isn't any apple juice tomorrow. No apple juice. Unless I get enough likes. There's enough thumbs up. Maybe I go out and get some apple juice. Unless you don't care. Let's see. Uh, DJ A Dog 3 k do you feel like the high stakes players play more chalk because they don't account for variance? I don't know necessarily what you mean by they don't account for variance. They do account for variance. In the the smaller field contests for the higher, because higher stakes contests are typically smaller field. You you don't need to sacrifice as much median to get leverage. So why not play the higher projected players who also tend to be higher owned as long as you find enough leverage elsewhere. So it's not like they're not taking into account variance. They are, but how how much variance do you have to add to your lineups? So that's really what we're doing with leverage making our lineups more variant, increasing the range of outcomes on the lineup. But for a 300-person contest, how how variant do you have to be? Variant enough, but not like large field variant. And typically high stakes contests tend to be smaller field. We don't don't have 10,000 entry $400 contests, right? Once you get in the triple digits, we're talking about, a thousand at most, so you don't have to sacrifice that much projection over the long run. Yeah, sometimes you can get a little bit more contrarian. I get it, but it's not a matter of like, oh no, they're just playing chalk because they're not accounted for something. No, because that's what you, that would be optimal to do. Well, but you still have to find a way to get different. So you're probably playing some of the chalk and some some leverage plays off of the chalk. Some combination of both. You're likely not just throwing out the top eight guys and then building a line. Because the projection is going to be way low on many slates. Yesterday's slate, there wasn't really screaming value. There wasn't. There wasn't a guy where he's 2,000 underpriced and the smash percentage is 56%. Where, you know, why don't you play that guy? You're going to be giving up so much projection by doing so. If you fade him. There wasn't that. There wasn't anyone like that value was quite thin so those are the slates where you should probably get off the beaten path right i saw i saw forsaken playing a bunch of deandre bemry at small forward instead of danilo gallinari why not for 1100 less gallo's gonna be 20 plus percent owned and is gonna be nothing owned one percent what's the difference they're both small forward eligible coming off the bench memory puts up 28 and gallo puts up 18 and you're gold there's so many players like that on a slate where most of the lineups are going to be quite equal to one another oh you give up one point median for doing that okay no big deal there were not many players yesterday where if you look i faded like four guys and it's like the, the projection was still fine for a 335 entry contest because there wasn't that, there wasn't really screaming value. There wasn't. Marquise Mars is not screaming value. Danilo Gallinari, you don't want to play that guy. Denzel Valentine, then they would do. If anything, they were what five to ten percent underpriced at most. We don't go up to those situations where, you know, oh, Demar uh, De Cousins is four thousand playing twenty-eight to thirty minutes. We, we didn't have that. Oh, let's see. Free copyright music. Oh, it's the guy from yesterday. Mr. Music. Do I call you Mr. Music? Do I call you free? Free copyright music? That's not your real name. Four days new to DFS. Oh, well, oh welcome. Four days. Hopefully, hopefully you have your long-term thinking. Oh, I've been playing for four days and I've lost all four days. Well, welcome to DFS. For small cash double ups, do we approach it with the obvious players not worrying about ownership? Pretty much. Build the best median lineup you can. And you're playing for the long run. The best projected lineup, if your model is accurate, is going to be the best lineup for double ups. Best median lineup, median. Because you're aiming for median and double ups. You don't get any, there's no advantage of coming in first in a double up. It's wasted points. Oh, I scored 290 and the cash line was 245. Well, those 45 points didn't do me any good. If you scored 246, you won the same amount of money. So you're trying to maximize your probability of just cash. GPPs, you're not doing that because the payouts go up progressively. Every spot you go up, every zone you go up, you get paid more. So there's a benefit to scoring more. Double ups, no, you just beat, beat 45, you beat 55% of the people in a double up, you're good. That's it, that's all you need. Don't worry about anything else, that's all you need. So you're aiming for medians. Narrow range of outcome, high median players. GPP, you're doing the opposite. Focusing more on more variant players, wider range of outcomes at out a higher ceilings, maybe lower medians especially if they'll be lower owned. That's the difference. Chris Gallagher asks, Jordan, why did FanDuel drop the 150 max quarter contest today? Who makes the decisions over there? Well, not me. Don't ask me. I don't know. I don't know anyone there. People ask me that old why did DraftKings do this? I don't know, because they're stupid. A lot of times that is the answer. A lot of times I'm like, I agree with you. I think that's stupid. I'm not a control. I have no idea. Well, come yesterday, it filled and then this time, who knows? Someone woke, woke up on the wrong side of the bed and decided to, oh, or sometimes it just screwed up. Ah, oh, they forgot. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know why FanDuel does some of the stuff that the way they do, I don't know why DraftKings does. Some of the stuff the way they do so i have no idea free copyright music is there a certain approach you have if you're not worrying about ownership and selecting the power players is there anything else you add to determine your lineup besides rgb and smash dude i'm building my cash lineup it's just the top top projected lineup that's all i'm doing personally you know how much time I spend on my cash lineup? Three seconds. That's it, it, take, it actually takes me longer to enter my cash lineup on across all three sites than it does to make it. So I'm just playing the, I'm just playing the projected top optimal. That's all I'm doing. Is it the best cash lineup? Most nights it's not. Because it, the, the, the medians don't take into account the, the standard deviations of the players. So like right now, our top projected lineup is 266.18, low scoring, but no value. Look at this. It has Walt Robinson, Butler, Grant, Vooch, Corkman, Ubre, Teibel. Right? The next lineup is only 0.04 underneath it. I mean, look at the difference. 0.04. Here's another one. 266.14. 266.18. 266.11. 265.90. The differences between these lineups are virtually nothing, right? This one has Brogdon in it, then green. This one in brown. This one has Butler and Ubre. This one doesn't. I mean, like, but the differences within the lineup, 0.04. The only way to realize this, if the model is accurate, is over the course of God knows how many slicks. But technically, this would be, t- technically, this is the, top median lineup based on our projections as of now, as of 11.01 AM. So if this was that lock, this is the lineup that I play. That's it. That's the whole point. That's why I'm tracking. Go to theory. You got to go to tracker.theoryofdfs.com. I'm trying, I'm trying to set what, if the benchmark is profitable. That's my goal. That's my hypothesis. In the past, I would make I would make my own. I would look at this. This is what I would do. I would look and go, look, do I have to play Tybal in this lineup? I would look through. I would look, is there any lineup without Tybal in it? Is one of them? Is Tybal going to... I go through and I just like, I'd look. Okay, here's one without Tybal, but I got Danny Green in there. I got Fournier. I would look and I would play one of these lineups. I wouldn't just, oh, this one and that's it. I would see. Maybe I maybe I sacrifice a point of median to get a narrower range, a less variant lineup, a narrow range of lineup. And you make those choices. That's what I would choose. But sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you don't care. Sometimes you make the decision. And this lineup up here, the first one, is the one that does better than it. Sometimes the one that you choose does better than this lineup. But it needs to be a benchmark somewhere. So last year. My decisions were actually less successful than the best benchmark. I would have, I would have made more money by just playing the top projected line, medium projected lineup. So based on that information, yes, maybe it was unsustainable. I don't know. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, regardless of variance, regardless of the standard deviation of the players, I'm just going to, pl- I'm just going to play whatever the projections say, just whatever it is. And then make sure to get diversification in my cast games to reduce the variance from there. So I may be playing lineups that are higher variance in cash because the medians just happen to be a point or two higher. So how do I mitigate that? Well, by just playing a lot of contests, by just playing a ton of head to heads and triple ups and everything, everything I can on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo to reduce that variance and seeing if that is profitable. By the end of the season, maybe it's not. I started with a $20,000 bankroll for this. Maybe it ends up being less than that. Right now it's above it. Right now it's 10,365, right? You see the chart here. But in theory, as long as that lineup is better than what lineups people are making, then I should see a profit if that's the benchmark. And then you have to weigh your results against the benchmark. Very similar to the stock market. Stock market, a lot of people, they pick stocks at the end of the year, they their portfolio didn't beat the S&P 500 or a, a, rel, or a similar index fund. It's like, oh, by picking my own stocks, I, I, I showed a 5% return over the year. It's like, well, you could have gotten a low-cost index fund and showed a 7% return and did nothing. And just like literally didn't have to trade, didn't do nothing. So that's what I'm that's what I'm testing with this. So you could do that too if you want. You trust the projection model, why not? Let's get some questions before we get out of here. Rob W, do you find any edge in contests such as tiers? Wondering if that's something more pros are involved in, or something that's more overlooked. Is tiers as basic as picking the highest projected player, pretty much? Why wouldn't it be? If you're playing cash games, a lot of top players play everything. But still, you can you, if you're able to. If you're a lower stakes player, this is this is what's more important. If you're lower stakes, if you have a smaller bankroll. If you're playing a hundred bucks a night, you can be picky. You could find the spots, right? Maybe you go into the tiers a lot. Maybe you weren't even playing, go into the tiers and see if there's any, you know, no badge players in the head to heads, right? Start looking at the double ups. Look at the entrance. Oh, it's a 23 man double. up And there's like, there's four guys in there without a badge or something, you know, something like that. Then play tiers for that contest and that contest only. Maybe you're only playing 10 bucks in tiers. Maybe you're playing $15 in the late slate. Maybe you're playing 50 bucks in the main slate, but you could be much more picky with your contest selection. Here and there, picking off a dollar head-to-head there versus this site's a dollar head-to-head and finding the weakest opponent you can, regardless of the slate and regardless of the contest. When you're playing 100 bucks a night, 200 bucks a night, you can do that. That's going to be a big difference in your ROI. Trust me. I mean, that's what I did when I had a small bankroll. It's to make a big difference. Over the course of one slate, it doesn't, it's not going to feel like much. Over the course of the year, it will. Now, once you're play, if you're playing thousands of dollars of volume, finding the $1, $2, the number one, I can't even play those contests, at least not on DraftKings. But finding even the $5 here, you're not going to find as many. And how much in comparison to your volume is it worth your time? There's a the time cost involved. So yeah, I could cherry pick and five, some $5 stuff. But if I'm playing $3,000 to $4,000 worth of volume, maybe I'm only able to find $100 worth of that. $100 versus in comparison to $4,000 worth of volume is, is smaller. Should I be doing that? Yes, I sure, but... Where's my time better spent? Doing that for a little or looking at the 215s, looking at the 109s, getting diversification across the board, figuring out my GPP lineups. That may be more beneficial. But on a smaller bankroll, you should be as picky as possible. You, you have the ability to be that picky when you play small, low stakes every night you should be playing the multi-entry double-ups right don't play the five dollar multi-entry double-up in draft games. go down and go down to the three-man lobby see if you could find some weak players go into tiers go into whatever you need to do to find the weakest opponents possible compared to you so you may think to yourself well i'm not that strong of a player well you could probably find weaker players that are players that are worse than you Compared to me, maybe you're the worst player. Maybe I see you in the lobby, I'm taking your games. But you could find someone possibly worse than you. So go find those. Don't play against me. That's what you should be doing, especially on a, on a, on a small bankroll. I'm telling you. It may seem like a little, okay, I'm playing $100 a night. And that may increase my edge by two or three bucks, right? Two or 3%, maybe 5% even, right? Oh, it's, a, it's just three bucks. Just five bucks. Are you playing every day? Playing every day, playing 300 days a year. If it increases your edge just by contest selection. By five bucks a day, that's $1,500 by the end of the end of the year. 1500 bucks, And especially if you have a bankroll that, you have a $2,000 bankroll. $1,500 is a lot in comparison. A $200,000 bankroll, $1,500 doesn't represent as much. Still do proper contest selection, yeah. But maybe you don't go to the nth degree of making sure, oh, well, I can't play this. Maybe I'll look at the tiers for the one thing here. Like maybe, maybe the time isn't right. Let's see. Chris Gallagher asks, "Do you think it would be smart to play every slate to spread out your variance?" Yeah, you play as if you're using the same projections. You play as much as much as you. That's why the top players do. Smart to play every slate all within the realm of your bankroll, sure. Obviously, the smaller slates have higher variance, right? In and of themselves, a two-game slate—it's a lot of overlap. But if you wanted to, yeah, the more the more sample size you have, the more exponentially it will increase your your edge it'll compound so if you're a bad player like you're just going to go broke quicker doing that If you're a good player you'll get you'll make more profit with less risk because you're spreading out your risk as much as possible kai roach am i stupid for playing stuff like pga and nascar that i don't care about it's still as simple as smash percentage and ownership. Nope, it's that simple. Do you think I care about basketball? I never cared about basketball until DFS. I mean, a long time ago. I used to follow, you know, in the mid-90s. And you know, Patrick Ewing was on the Knicks, like uh, when I was a kid, when I was younger, a teenager. I didn't care about basketball until, that, until I started playing NBA DFS. Don't care. I don't care about basketball. People ask, who do you think is going to be the MVP? I don't know. What are the? I don't even know the records of the teams. I don't know. I don't care who wins the finals. I don't care. They're just pieces of a board on on the board for me. They're names on the spreadsheet. I really don't care about basketball, football. I don't care, I care about even less. Right? If it wasn't for showdown, I wouldn't have even watched the watched the Super Bowl. I don't even care. What? Who cares who wins? So how does that affect me? Not at all. So yeah, like this. Sports are just the, the basis of the, of the game that we're playing, to me. So no, you don't, you don't need to care. <laughs> you don't. Sam Deal says, apple juice is the key to the DFS success. Yes, that's what it should be, apple juice. I'm out of apple juice. I'm not gonna do well tonight then, All Right? But I had apple juice, I had the mango juice yesterday bombed in cash but one in gpp so does that count i have no idea i need to get more apple juice the only way to convince my wife to go out and get me more apple juice is by hitting that thumbs up button so you hit you hit the thummy thumbs we get to 150 thummy thumbs that's what she told me she she said i ain't going out to get, get you more apple juice unless we get 150 likes on this show so hit the thumbs up button hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I go live 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time weekdays, right? We get the Grinders Live tonight at six o'clock. It's a 7.30 slate, so six o'clock for Grinders Live. It'll be Dean and someone else. I don't know, I'd look at the schedule. Then we got crunch time for premium members at seven. And then we got tomorrow It'll be casual Friday tomorrow. Casual Friday, hopefully with apple juice for another edition of the DFS pregame show here on (laughs) rotogrinders.com.